Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and SiriusXM Channel 80. Michelle Smallman and Jordan Cornett, and we are just caretaking Canty and Carlin today. So let's head right now to one of the namesakes of this show, Chris Carlin. He's the host of Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, and he joins us right now. Chris, thanks so much for jumping on on your show with Jordan and I. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing great, other than the fact that I put that hat on this morning, and it looked like it looked like just a, a a tiny little children's hat on my head. It was not good. Okay, so you, you can see a picture of this, of Carlin in the fedora on ESPN Radio's Twitter page. It's at ESPN Radio. And, you know, I don't know, Chris. I know you're going to say you didn't pull it off, but it's certainly a look. It's a, it's a statement, if, if you I do say so myself. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a statement of I should not wear a hat ever. <laughs> And, and like, Jordan, I mean, tell me I'm wrong that, like, there is only a certain level of guy or or certain type of guy that can consistently pull a hat off. So it's funny you pose that my way, Carlin, because I actually have, if you, if you were to go on Instagram or whoever's listening might, I used to be a big fedora guy. I don't know oh, if it really works. About three years ago, yeah. when I was on vacation, anywhere warm or tropical, I was in a fedora. And my wife hated it. I don't know how this happened, but an Instagram account was cultivated by somebody who I still to this day don't know made a handle Jordan Cornette's fedora. And it would just take the picture of my big dome in a fedora, clearly making fun of me. And I stopped wearing fedoras after that. So I don't know who the guy is that can get away with it. Uh, Carlin, I love you. Love listening to you. Love when I see you. Me and you both are built for fedoras, I don't think. I just think it's it's not in our repertoire. It just isn't. First of all, you know Shay runs that account, right? <laughs> I know, right? That is the obvious follow the breadcrumbs answer. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I always say that because there's no question my wife would do the exact same thing. Absolutely. Trolling on tens, Carla. Trolling on tens. She's nailed it. What do you make of what we've been watching with these NBA finals? I came out, I was hot, Carlin going into game two, that everybody had discarded, discounted the Miami Heat, like they weren't going to have those shooters knock down shots, like they weren't going to be more physical and answer the call, and they weren't going to be more connected. With everything I heard coming in, it's like you're going to get the best effort from the Heat, and that's what happened. Were you surprised in any way in what you saw in game two? No. Um, in fact, going into the series, I, I felt like the Heat's better chance to win one of those two games was going to be game two because in game one, it it feels like one of those offenses for the Nuggets that you almost have to experience it first and really understand the speed and the alacrity with which they move the ball and how well uh, Jokic can, you know, basically touch past the ball incredibly accurately uh, all over the court. So I, I was not surprised by that. I was not uh, surprised that the Heat ended up winning game two uh, because more than anything, this is a team to me that is just 
comfortable in chaos. Like, like they don't care what the situation, situation is in a negative way against them. They're going to be extra comfortable in it. It's almost, you know, are they more, we were talking about this this morning, are, are they more comfortable when their back is against the wall? It kind of feels that way in some ways. I, I don't know that they're, um, that they can't handle prosperity. I don't think that's true. But, uh, you know, the, the fact that they were able to come back and win that game and that they did it the way they did it by making Jokic less of a playmaker and more of a scorer, um, to me, that's his, you know, that that's the best thing that you could possibly do because you're not giving everybody else a chance to get in rhythm. Well, just to jump in there real quick, Michelle, I, I apologize. I, it, there's something really fascinating, and maybe you guys discussed this earlier because it came from the great himbo earlier today. Uh, but kind of in line with the resiliency, you guys, and Car- Carlin, what you mentioned there, Hembo tweeted this earlier. Miami Heat's playoff scoring margin in the first quarter, minus one in the playoffs. Second quarter, minus 11 in the playoffs. Third quarter, minus 12. Fourth quarter, ready for this, plus 90. The Heat are three <laughs> wins away from a title, having been outscored for three-fourths of the games in the playoffs. That is remarkable. So when you speak to the chaos, Carlin, you speak to the back against the wall. Look at the fourth quarter numbers. These guys yeah. are un I mean they they're just unflappable. They like yeah. when their back is against the wall clearly. They are unbothered by it and it's it's super impressive. And I think if there's one thing that that has come out of all of this, we all have to finally acknowledge whether you chose to or not for a while is that the heat culture thing is real as much as I hate that word culture because I feel like it's overused you know um, they certainly have uh, established a a certain style and uh, way they go about things no matter what their level of talent is I thought Freddie said something that really struck with me earlier today um, because it's something that I've always felt about Bill Belichick they do not care about who they don't have on their team they yes. worry about who they do have on their team, yes. and they, they 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 really focus on not what they can't do, but what they can do. And they don't ask guys to do what they can't do. And I think that's you know that it goes a long way. I think toward establishing that culture. Chris Carlin joining Michelle Smallman and Jordan Cornette here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Well, let's talk about the Denver Nuggets side of things. We're talking about heat culture and how cohesive Miami has been throughout these playoffs. But, Chris, what did you make of Michael Malone calling out the Nuggets' effort in Game 2 last night and their first home loss in these NBA playoffs? I wasn't surprised by it primarily um, because he's done it a few times this season. I don't think it's anything where – you know, for for those of us who who hadn't seen it, um, more than anything, like I, I'm not surprised because it, it feels like he has that relationship with his team where he can do that and they will respond. Um, I, I think that uh, it, it's exceptionally frustrating I, more than anything when you hear him say that, you know, we have guys whose shots weren't falling, that maybe they – were frustrated and were down and didn't play great defense on the other end. And listen, I think we're all, um, we've all seen that before, but when you see it in the finals, it's a little bit shocking. Um, You know, everything that we just said about the Miami heat, um, the one thing that is clear to me, and I think most is that there is not the disparity in coaching this round that there was last round. 
uh, with the Heat. Um, they have Michael Malone, uh, the Nuggets do, who's very, very good. I mean, I, listen, Spolstra, I think, is still the best coach in the league, but I think Michael Malone is really good, and there's not going to be this one-sided advantage there. So um, I think more than anything, Michelle, uh, that when he does that, I, I, I think he understands his team pretty well and how they're going to respond to his words. On the flip side, <clears throat> excuse me, on the flip side, Carlin, I've marveled at Jimmy Butler and the pulse he has for this team beyond even Coach Spo, who gets a lot of flowers deservedly so. I think Spo's the best coach in the NBA. I have thought that for some time. Uh, and that speaks to that culture. I know we get a little weary of using it, as you mentioned, but it's true, as you also mentioned. But Jimmy Butler, just how he approaches losses most especially, I really leaned into what he said after game one that gave me the belief to lean in and bet the heat, not only to cover, but to go money line. Not patting myself on the back, but singing the praises of Jimmy Butler here. Something about how he comes out and just says, I believe in these guys. I want them to have the ball again. They're going to get the ball again because they made these shots. If we lose, it won't be because of them. And you know what happened, Carlin, is those guys carried Jimmy for three quarters of the game. Jimmy made some timely plays in the fourth, but it wasn't a benchmark game for him. Massive moments coming from Duncan Robinson, beginning of the game coming from Max Struess. Isn't there just something that's captivating about how this guy not only plays but leads? Yeah, uh, I think I think it's a great point, and I think – more than anything with him, what sticks out is that tone that he sets. Because before the playoffs, would any of us have a discussion that included Jimmy Butler in the top 10 players in the league? No, probably not. We, we don't think he was pretty good. We all know what he's capable of. But now I don't know that you can have a discussion without him in the top 10 in the league. He's one of the best. So... Um, I, I I love what he does. I love how unshakable he is. He can have a bad game, and then when he has to uh, in the fourth quarter, he steps up, you know, speaking to that fourth quarter differential earlier. You know what I was thinking about earlier, guys? If the Sixers – I mean, just how much does Joel Embiid shake his head thinking about the fact that the Sixers let Jimmy Butler go mm-hmm. and they opted to go with – Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons. Like, that is – Joel Embiid might have two titles by now yeah. if the Sixers had kept Jimmy Butler as opposed I mean, you to can, You can look Harris. at Chicago. You can look at Minnesota. <laughs> I mean, this guy's competitive yeah. edge clearly is not palatable for everybody, and it's been their loss as he's departed every one of these organizations. Yeah. Just the idea, though, that he could play with another superstar. No, you're right. That would really be – yeah, that would be insane. Well, finally, Chris, our question of the day that callers have been weighing in all day on Canteen Carlin here on ESPN Radio is about sports documentaries. So Swamp Kings is a documentary that's coming out soon about the Florida Gators football team between 2006 and 2009, the Urban Meyer era. So we wanted to pose it to you. Is there a sports documentary that you would like to see that doesn't exist? Man, um, you know, I thought about it. I, I thought about the Jordan Cornette Notre Dame years. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I I'll be a little selfish here. I still want to know what. And and Michelle, you can relate to this. Uh, you know, having been in St. Louis, um, I am still uh, as a as a very quiet 
Texas Rangers fan want to know what happened in 2011 when they lost to the Cardinals. And it still drives me absolutely wow. insane how that all unfolded on them. But that's, that's just that, – that would be a documentary basically for me only. And, and I just well, that's want why you get to people pick. to explain what went wrong. <laughs> well, well, I, I, do I don't feel know, like Chris. I'm owed answers. It's the Cardinals were ten and a half games back. They somehow snuck into the playoffs. They were down to their last strike twice, and it's the hometown kid David Freeze that not only gets them into extra innings but sends them into Game Seven with a walk off home run. I don't know. It's it's storybook stuff. Uh, <laughs> as, as for Maybe that, if court- Ron Washington had put Nelson had taken Nelson Cruz out of right field, we wouldn't yeah. be talking about that. Feels like it's still too soon all these years later. As for the Cornette documentary, I can assure you that Cornette documentary you're asking for, you'd really struggle to find the B-roll. It'd really, it'd really be issues covering a lot of that. Carla, we appreciate it, brother. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for hanging in today. Absolutely. He's Chris Carlin, the host of Canteen Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. In short, a lot of things. Bundle today at Progressive.com. Well, let's continue, Jordan, talking about the Miami Heat's Game 2 victory last night in the NBA Finals. One guy who certainly knows a lot about championship basketball is Warriors head coach Steve Kerr. He joined the the Draymond Green podcast and talked about what he sees with the Denver Nuggets and how the Miami Heat need to attack them to get this done. You know, you mentioned them starting love. Uh, that allowed Jimmy Butler to guard Murray. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was like, you know, I haven't talked to Spo or anything like that, but I can see them in their coaches' meetings saying, Murray's the head of the snake. If you just look at it, you go, well, Jokic is the head of the snake. Mm-hmm. When you play a team, you sort of realize, wait a second, he's going to dominate no matter what we do. So yeah. we got this is the head of the snake. And I think they just decided Murray's the guy we got to stop. So you start love put Jimmy Butler on Murray. And then you saw like they were blitzing Murray quite a bit yep. and uh, really trying everything to take him out of the game. And, and Jordan, you had discussed this earlier in response to Eric Spolster's comments about how uh, Ramona Shelburne had asked him about removing the distribution aspect of Jokic's game and asking if that was the tactic heading into game two. And uh, he responded saying that to the untrained basketball eye, maybe that was the approach. But Steve Kerr saying that stopping Murray, the key to the Miami Heat's victory. Yeah, that was the adjustment that was made. Look, Spo tried to make it out like it was a lazy observation. It wasn't. It's an observation that's not an untrained eye. It's what the masses probably identified. What Spo should have done is gone a little bit deeper, like Steve Kerr did, to help explain it. And Kerr, Coach Kerr is right. He didn't change their coverages massively at all. What they did do is change the personnel on Murray, putting Jimmy Butler on him because they went bigger with Kevin Love, elected to put him in the starting lineup over Caleb Martin. Now, what they did with Murray, that's where the domino effect truly starts. That's the catalyst. They blitzed Jamal Murray a little bit more, which then made Jamal Murray give up the ball in ball screens a little bit quicker. Domino effect. That put Jokic in more scoring opportunities. So it made, naturally, Jokic more of a scorer. But it wasn't like, let's not make him a passer. He just got inserted into scoring opportunities more often because Murray gave up the ball in those ball screens quicker because of how he was defended. But nothing that the Heat did defensively was as simple as, let Jokic score and not be a passer. 
that's not it. It's not just we want him to score more than assists. It's how they defended Murray, which caused the trickle down. Now, it was more dynamic than just Jokic becoming that scorer. Another side effect of this all was those supplementary scores. MPJ, mm-hmm. one of the great shooters. KCP, billed as a 3 and D guy. Bruce Brown, capable scorer as well. These guys weren't getting their normal amount of touches because, again, Jokic is inserted into easy scoring opportunities because of how they defended Murray. So now these other auxiliary scorers aren't getting their touches. Now they're not as engaged defensively. Now you're a tick off of who you've been defensively. Now you see blown coverages from the Nuggets. Now you see them a tick too late on a closeout. Now you see blow-bys or cutters that are unscathed going to the basket, i.e. Duncan Robinson late in that fourth quarter where he got off on the layup and then flexed on him. Those things all happen because it started, like Steve Kerr said, with the head of the snake, Jamal Murray, and how he was defended. That started all of it, and it was advantage after advantage after advantage, Miami Heat. And you touched on something there with Duncan Robinson, Jordan, that I want to drill in on a little bit because we put so much emphasis on Jokic and Jamal Murray and, of course, Jimmy Butler and Bam. But part of the way that Miami was able to win last night is because it was a team effort. You had Gabe Vincent coming up big, Duncan Robinson. He was scoreless in the first three quarters and then scored eight straight in the fourth to help be the catalyst for Miami to be able to come back and ultimately win the game. And I think one of the tentacles from last night is just as a team, collectively Miami was better Jimmy Butler Michelle I mean it really is Jimmy like everything Jimmy said after game one and we just talked to Carl on a little bit about this Jimmy just instills a belief in his players that cannot be measured in points it's an intangible that separates him from some of these other stars most certainly the stars to left in these playoffs the leadership qualities he possesses translates into so much more it translates into winning quite frankly what you saw with Max Struess 0 for 9 in that first game. Everybody talking about historically futile performance from a guy that they absolutely needed, Max Struess. Jimmy Butler comes out and says, I believe in Max. I believe in Duncan Robinson. I believe in Caleb Martin. They're still going to get the same passes from me. They're still going to get the same opportunities, and they're going to go out there and they're going to make those shots. So now Max Struess isn't listening to get up, isn't listening to first take, isn't listening to us on the radio. Max Struess <laughs> is just locked in on what he needs to do because his leader has said, we believe in you, bro. Go out there and do what you do. Max Struess rattles off four threes in that first quarter, shot out of a cannon. Miami right away puts anything to rest that their shooters aren't ready. That is infectious. Duncan Robinson, three quarters of not much. Oh, yeah, Jimmy said he's still going to look to me. They're looking to me. He delivers 10 points in that fourth quarter. Kevin Love, heat culture. Oh, we don't need him. Dean Wade's the guy in Cleveland for our playoff push. Kevin Love's too old. Kevin Love right there next to Jimmy Butler goes, yeah. I'm going to bring my long and the tooth behind out here, and I'm going to give you 10 boards, and I'm going to give you defense. I'm going to give you Wes Unseld-like outlet passes to key some breaks. Everything came together, but it started, Michelle, with their leader and Jimmy Butler, establishing and instilling that belief that, hey, we're rocking this thing. We're going to dance with the girl we brought because she's a good dancer. We're here, and they delivered. He's Jordan Cornette. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, what kind of adjustments do the Nuggets need to make before Game 3? We're going to talk to someone who's covered them all year after Jordan has this from Indeed. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. 
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Jordan Cornette, Michelle Smallman on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, and you can always get in touch with us, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. The Miami Heat win Game 2 of the NBA Finals last night. They even the series at one apiece as the series shifts to Miami for Game 3. But let's head right now out to... Denver and talk to Chris Den- Chris Dempsey, excuse me. He's the Nuggets reporter and analyst for Alt- Altitude Sports. And Chris, you've been around this team all season, so we certainly value your opinion. But I want to start here with Michael Malone and the comments that he made post-game about the Nuggets' effort last night in Game 2 and the, the Nuggets' first home loss of these NBA playoffs. He's He's called out his team before, but what did you make of his approach in calling out his team's effort? Yeah, I thought he did it as, to be honest, but at about as delicately as he's done that um, in the past. It's been a little bit more forceful, um, and you know, it, it sounded a little bit more like, uh, you know, he, uh, you know, he said this to the team, and it, look, it's the NBA Finals, and you cannot play like that if you expect to win a championship. And so, 
Yeah, you know, he's not afraid to say what needs to be said. Um, you know, for him, it's also, though, that he has already said it to his team before he says it to the media so that media is not coming to the players and asking him about, you know, something that he said that they hadn't heard just quite yet. He doesn't want the communication to break down like that or ha- have hard feelings be um, in- entered into the equation. Uh, but you know what? Look, he was not wrong. You know, I-, I think that the Miami Heat, if we were watching that game and we're watching it honestly, you know, that team came out with more force than the Nuggets did. More physical force, more energy. They were quicker to the ball. Um, their-, their cuts were crisper. Um, everything was done with uh, just a little bit more intensity and energy from the Miami Heat standpoint than was done from the Denver Nuggets standpoint. And so, um, you know, for, for the Nuggets to win, I mean, uh, you know, they uh, – the Miami Heat aren't you, – you're not just going to roll out there and beat them. You you have to actually beat them. Um, this is one of the hardest-playing teams in the in the NBA, and Michael Malone just wants to under, make sure that he underscored that fact with his team. Now, Chris, just to follow up there, because there were sources reporting that three starters, key pieces to the Nuggets, left after game two postgame without speaking to the media. KCP, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr. That's pretty unusual at this level, being the NBA Finals. What do you attribute that to? Could it be that that was so raw and uncut with Coach Malone and the players in that locker room that... They just weren't interested in speaking to the media. Uh, what do you make of that? Because I know you were obviously privy to that information as well. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, you know, they have had these instances in the past where frustration um, from a game or their individual performances has led them to, um, you know, dodge media. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. So I'm 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 not super surprised. Um, you know. Uh, you know, uh, overall, and, and, you know, I know that obviously this, at this level, especially at this level when all the national media is there and everybody's covering this and the NBA's running the show, that that's, that is not um, what they are looking for from, from the players. But, um, you know, I, I'm sure, look, it, I think it uh, certainly is born of frustration. I, I don't think from the coach's words, uh, but I do think from their individual performances and the collective performance as a team. So, uh, you know, we'll, I'll be interested to see what happens uh, after game three. Chris Dempsey joining Michelle Smallman and Jordan Cornette on Canteen Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Chris is the Nuggets reporter and analyst for Altitude Sports. Chris, do you expect any adjustments from Denver as they head to game three in Miami? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, they just have to play harder. And um, and, and then behind, beyond that, uh, be a little bit more dialed in, I think, defensively to um, what's happening out there. Their assignments, um, you know, there there were just a number of situations where, uh, you know, the Heat just ran some kind of uh, very creative screening action or non-screening action, a lot of ghost screening action, uh, where the Nuggets defenders didn't know if they were switching or staying with their own man. Um, and then really what that resulted was, the result of that was uh, Miami Heat shooters just being kind of left open uh, to knock in a three-point shot. And uh, when you are that off-balance defensively for basically the majority of the game, it's going to be very hard against a team like the Miami Heat, which puts a lot of good shooters on the basketball court. So I just think from a communication standpoint defensively, you have to communicate your way through screen actions or slip screening action or ghost screening action to know that what, what, you're, what, you're, what you're going to do uh, and, and, and then you have to be dialed in enough um, over the course of the game to be able to do it. 
Um, the Miami Heat just uh, they keep charging, they keep playing, um, and 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 they will challenge you to play uh, smart basketball as well as play with effort. So I think for the Nuggets defensively, it it, it really does begin there and, and getting back to a dialed in space to what you want to do against Miami's offense and then be able to communicate in a very effective way on the court. Chris, personnel-wise for the Denver Nuggets, if they're to go on the road and take game three, who needs to elevate their performance through two games a little bit higher in order to get one on the road? I I look at MPJ, who was still very, very important piece to game one winning, despite the fact he didn't shoot the three ball well in game one. But those three-point woes continued in game two with only five points going one of six from three. Is that who you look to first, or Jamal Murray, another candidate, who wasn't necessarily nearly as explosive in game two as he was in game one? Yeah, I don't. I tend to not worry about Jamal Murray. Um, you know, he has uh, proven over time to be the kind of player that uh, if you present him with a problem um, in one game – he will present you with a solution over the course of the next few games. And so uh, for him, uh, I'm not worried about it. It was an effective switch for for the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler being the primary defender on on Jamal Murray and what he was able to do, just kind of a bigger, stronger body. Um, And then there's a a lot of other little um, um, uh, instances of defense that, that Miami kind of threw at him. Um, but pressuring him a little bit more, but uh, it's just nothing that 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 Jamal Murray hasn't seen over the course of the playoffs, and the Nuggets have a plan for that. Now, Michael Porter Jr. is a different story. He is three for seventeen from the three-point line in the first two games, and that's all. You know, obviously that's not good, but it's I, I think it's compounded by the fact that uh, the racial, the percentage of shots that he has taken from the three-point line um, overall is super high. I think he's taken 24 shots overall, and 17 of them have been three-point shots. Which, if you're not making the three-point, uh, if you're not making three-point shooting, that becomes problematic. In game number one, he also did mix in uh, attacking the offensive glass, attacking closeouts, and driving to the rim, um, getting himself to the free throw line. Those are the things so that even though he was 2-for-11 from the three-point line in game one, he still ended up with 14 points, also had 13 rebounds in that game. And that's the space he has to live in if the three-point shooting isn't going to improve. Has to continue to um, force the issue as being more than just a three-point shooter, be very dynamic offensive player overall uh, because he is very effective when he does those other things. Um, but he, when sometimes when he allows himself just to fall into a three-point shooting mode and then nothing else, then it's, it becomes a, an overall struggling uh, experience for him. So Michael Porter Jr. would absolutely be my player for game three. And then I think maybe I would throw KCP in there as well, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, they're going to need his three-point shooting um, a, a little bit more and, and obviously defensively to defend without fouling. Great information and perspective, Chris. Thanks so much for the time. All right, guys. Thank you for having me. He's Chris Dempsey, the Nuggets reporter and analyst for Altitude Sports. When the NBA Finals is tied 1-1, the team that wins Game 3, they go on to win the title 80% of the time. That's a 
32-8 and eight series record. Even though that trend hasn't necessarily held up recently as Game 3 winners, they're 4-4. Four and four. That's a series record since the 2010 Finals. Either way, Game 3 in Miami is going to be a hot ticket. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN. You can get great deals on the hottest tickets. Experience it live. Coming up, is there a sports documentary that you would like to see that doesn't exist? We want to hear from you. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776 plus a hire in Boston that could make a huge difference. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Alongside Jordan Cornette, I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, and you can always get in touch with us. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And one of the things we've been talking about today is a documentary that's coming out. It's essentially the 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 scandal in college football and um, a a dynasty, a program that had a lot of success that we all want to know. And that's, of course, the Florida football program in their most successful era, 2006 through 2009. I, I don't know, Jordan, if there's any story in college football that we would want a documentary on more than this one. And it's coming out. It's called Swamp Kings, and it's coming out in August. Oh, it's going to be so fascinating for a myriad of reasons. I mean, you got some polarizing figures in this. Urban Meyer, obviously, Tim Tebow, uh, the All-American young man who took the nation by storm as one of 
the best college football players we've ever seen, Aaron Hernandez and his tragic story and end um, as he turned into uh, this guy that nobody truly knew or ever did know uh, after he'd passed and taken the life of another. Uh, But a lot of that story with Aaron Hernandez, of course, began during his time in Gainesville, a lot that Mm -hmm. we didn't know there. So that's a massive part of that story. And, of course, all the winning. So for a lot of reasons, I cannot wait to watch this. And I think it's going to be a documentary, Michelle, that we come away from learning a whole lot more about those quote-unquote glory years down in Gainesville. And we wanted to hear from you. Is there a sports documentary that's not in existence yet that you want to see? Let's head to Zach in North Carolina. Hey, y'all. So I've got one that's still kind of going on, uh, but I think it already merits, and that's Lewis Hamilton with Formula One. His dad worked three jobs to, to pay for him to go through the junior leagues. Then when he got to McLaren, he won his first year. And after just being dominant with McLaren, Nicky Lauder calls him out of the blue and says, hey, you should come join the struggling team Mercedes. And they, Mercedes becomes dominant, and he's still there being dominant. So I think that would be a really, really good story to tell. That's a good one, Zach. Thank you for the call. And, and Jordan, I don't know about you. I watched the um... – F1 series on Netflix, which I thought was brilliantly done. And I would love to drill in a little more on Lewis Hamilton and his story and how he became one of the most dominant figures in F1. Yeah, I'm all in for it, Michelle, because I am one of the – in a small group of uncool people at ESPN that is wholly unaware of this booming business that is F1. I've got to get in on it. I mean, I'm friends with guys like Gary Streisky. Katie George is a longtime friend. I mean, the coolest of the cool at ESPN who are part of the coverage. <laughs> My boy Dallin Cuff as well. And, and I'm wholly unaware. i got to get involved. I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. I'd be all in on this Hamilton doc so I could learn more. Let's take another call. Kevin in Texas, what documentary do you want to see in sports that doesn't exist yet? Honestly, guys, I want to know how Stephen A. Smith got to be the face of ESPN. My wife and I watch him every day, love him, laugh. She's a huge Cowboy fan. I can't stand him. I love the Dolphins. (laughs) I would love to see the story of Stephen A. Smith. Is your mouth watering yet? Mine sure is. See, you ruin a good moment with that nonsense for me on a soundbite from a read. Look, I think this one is great. However, I want to shelf this one because Stephen A.'s full story is still not written yet. Stephen A is good. He, 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 you heard him come out and say he wants to be the best TV personality ever. I think there's still more unwritten for the great Stephen A. I want to see a little bit more from this guy who's already taken uh, the nation by storm. He's the most captivating personality on television. I want to see what the next chapter is before we do this full throttle documentary on the great Stephen A. Smith. But I'm here for it. I think it's awesome because of his journey. I mean, this guy took rejection, came back, and then flourished even greater. Uh, Stephen A's story is, is a great story. And can you imagine how entertaining it would be? He Stephen would have A. To voice, he would have to voice his own story. He would have to be involved. And I would just love to hear behind-the-scenes stories done with Stephen A's dramatic flair and his flair for entertainment. That would be must-see TV. Also, Stephen A does a fantastic job of keeping his personal life personal. Would he let us into that part of his life? Stephen A, let's do it, man. Let's do this doc. If you want to be the greatest figure in TV history, a documentary on yourself is certainly part of the equation. He is Jordan Cornette. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up, more of your calls, plus 
Do the Nuggets players need to take more accountability after their game two loss? Their coach thinks so. We're going to talk about that next. Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.